da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. We are down a man this week, but dadgummit, that was not going to stop us from reviewing Captive State. I mean... <laughs> Three people demanded that we be here. Yeah. So, so here we are. Every single person that saw the movie demanded us to review. John, John Goodman reached out personally. <laughs> it's like, guys, nice. can you do me a favor? No one's seen this. We said, of course. Of course. American okay. Treasure John yeah, Goodman. Of course we can do that. I appreciate the denim vest that you guys gave me as part of being an American treasure now in return. <laughs> I need you to advertise Captive State. Uh, it was not the hit that we... Boy. Three oh boy. came out at, at number seven um, this weekend. I, I just looked at the uh, at the box office returns kit just this second, and it was oh wow, poof, poof. Yeah. That was. I don't think that's what I. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be a hit, but boy, didn't uh, I didn't see that coming? Didn't see that coming. Sorry to say. So you're saying John Goodman can't lead blockbusters <laughs> anymore? <laughs> Yeah, this ever, is an odd right? dude. I'm, I'm actually. I think this will be sort of fun to talk about. We have a guest who was a a participant in the making of the movie, so that'll be cool as well. Uh, but it, I don't think this was a hit, obviously, and I think that they expected it to be a hit, obviously, and it, it is not. It is not. So that's you know. But it, it'll be maybe it'll make for an interesting movie to talk about. We'll see. This will be a fun <laughs> one to talk about. Absolutely, a uh, subject matter that we've covered and. Uh, definitely will be fun to have a guest on for this yeah, one, definitely. but um, we can flex and talk Wonder Park if you want. Uh, <laughs> don't know if you took the kiddo to see that one yet. But. I, I did not. I did not. I'll try to avoid those. Uh, some of those kids' movies, man. It's it's freaking brutal when you're a parent. You just like, can we just? Some of them you can just kind of grin and bear it, and like, just all right, this is fine. And some of them, I'm like actively praying. Please don't let my child know that this movie exists. I just I don't think I can do it. So Wonder Park was in that in that realm, but uh, yeah, you know. So we uh, he saw Captain Marvel uh, last week. He's obviously he's going to go see us this week. So I, I was able to get him through one week without going to see a going to see a movie, which is nice. Awesome. That's you didn't take him to Captive State. I thought it was all into this. <laughs> really, you're waiting until Pet Cemetery comes out, man. You know, it's, I almost took him to Alita and I'm, I don't, I take him to lots of movies, but I'm very cautious about like what, what type of movies he'll see. But Alita, he, he's I what, four years old, by the way, just he, for he's, he'll, he'll turn six Five, this year. Six, so yeah. he's, he's barely just, just, uh, just a shade under six. But, uh, I saw that on president's day and I was like, I was trying to figure out babysitting that day and stuff. And for a minute, it looked like my wife was going to be working during the time that I had to go see the movie and. I was like, he could probably just go see this with me, right? I I could figure this out. And then it's like five minutes in the movie. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad he's not here. He would be dying. He'd just be so bored, mix of bored and terrified at the same time. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you, um, you were disappointed and you said that you expected this to be a hit. And we're going to talk a little bit of movie news, uh, just to, in just a second before we mm -hmm. bring in the guest, but, um, just to go, kind of go over the, the weekend, uh, this past weekend, you said you were surprised it wasn't a hit. It came in at $3 million at number seven in, yeah. domestically. Um, I did not know this movie existed until you said uh, next sure. week we're reviewing Captive State. And I was like, sure. I, I didn't know what it was. It wasn't even on my radar. Didn't see an ad for it. Never saw a trailer. 
um, saw the poster when I booked the thing on my app, you know, like mm-hmm. booked the ticket mm-hmm. on the, uh, on the yeah. app. And that was the only frame of reference I had was like sure. that poster. So, you know, yeah, look, I didn't think it would be a hit. I thought with it's a, it's a small budget. It's like $25 million to, uh, to make the movie. And Rupert Wyatt has a huge movie to his name. He, he revitalized the, uh, the, uh, planet of the apes franchise mm-hmm. with, rise before of the dawn before the war of the apes and uh and so i thought it would i didn't think it was gonna like crush especially once we saw how great captain marvel was as as far as the uh box office goes but i thought before i looked at uh before i looked at at box office mojo literally five minutes ago i would have thought probably 12 12 15 million something like that and uh, no, not that I knew, but I've been following this because it was supposed to come out last year. It was on our calendar for like October, maybe of last year and then got bumped. And I thought mm. I, when I saw I got bumped, I was like, I actually think that's a smart idea. Cause this, it seems like a, you know, this is a pretty stacked time of the year and March will be a little more open. Now, of course, again, Captain Marvel is just dominating. So it's not that that's completely, it's not that the uh rest of the studios are like wow had no idea that uh this marvel movie was going to be a hit but i don't think anybody quite thought it was going to be you know as huge as it is you know and making 70 million and it's in its second week and stuff so anyway i i just thought it would be a little given the budget and uh the director and i've seen i've seen the trailer a bunch but i think it's now that you mention it, I think it may have only been during like nba games and stuff so maybe they've just been hitting a very uh, niche audience with, uh, with yeah. this trailer, but uh, yeah, yeah I I'm surprised I, by a sub ten million dollar opening for sure. That's that's shocking. I mean, there's all, uh, there's got to be like bad word of mouth or something's got had to happen for it to be that low. Usually, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's interesting. Um, just to to I don't know, put a frame of reference in uh, of this past weekend. So number one was Captain Marvel again, uh, seventy million dollars second weekend. Uh, Cumulative total worldwide is seven hundred sixty million so far. Oh, it's been on a week, like mm-hmm. almost. A, yeah. It's a week two right now. It says here. Um, that's a fifty four percent drop uh, from last week, which was one hundred and seventy million, something like that. Uh, one hundred fifty million, and uh, that's a little bit less than the average Marvel MCU film. The average one drops fifty six percent second weekend. The best one was was Black Panther and only dropped forty percent uh, second weekend. And mm-hmm. it, it did quite well for itself, obviously. Yeah. Um, so this past week, it, it crossed 250 million domestically and uh, 750 globally, and uh, it's probably going to cross a billion before yeah. before Avengers comes out, which is incredible to think about that. Uh, they probably thought mm-hmm. it might do it, you know. Avengers comes out and it gives Captain Marvel kind of a second push uh, if they can keep it in in theaters that long. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's mm-hmm. still in, you know, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse is still in theaters. Somehow. Sure. Um, so I think they could do that, but maybe that's probably what they were counting on, but it's probably looking like it's going to hit a billion before, mm-hmm. before that. Yeah. So it looks like that protesting by the trolls is going real well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go guys. You really pulled it off this time. Way to go. <laughs> All Way they did was ruin, go. they ruined, um, rotten tomatoes for everybody who actually yeah. enjoyed like, yeah, exactly. You know, leaving yeah. their reviews or ratings, <laughs> you know, for themselves, really, they ruined it. They ruined rotten tomatoes for themselves. So, uh-huh. Great work. Great work as always, internet fanboy trolls. Great, great job. Great job. Yeah, absolutely. So second place uh, this past weekend at the box office was Wonder Park with $16 million. 
I guess that's fine. Yeah. Got to have, got to have kids. Uh, I mean, got to have movies to take kids to. Sure. Um, most of them have seen How to Train Your Dragon already, which came mm-hmm. in fourth, uh, five feet apart. What do we know about this movie that debuted? And Isn't um, that, is it Tim? Uh, is it Chalamet? Sprouse or whatever? It's, no, it's um. Oh, one, oh Dylan, yeah, you're Sprouse, right. You're uh, right. Kids from uh, Big Daddy. I don't know which yeah. one. Yeah, and uh, I like how that's Haley, how I know them. Joe Richardson or something. Ben yeah, from like, Friends. That's all. <laughs> there you go. Haley Lou Richardson. Excuse me, not uh-huh. Haley Joe Richardson. Um, I don't know anything about this other than. It seems like the type of movie that we get maybe three of every year, and that's fine. Like I'm not bashing that. I know we get 400 superhero movies every year, but this particular type of uh, I, is it? Would you would you say it's a it's teen romance? I guess it's probably teen romance. Yeah, or it's like kind of like early these, millennial. It's a romance. Uh, or yeah, something. it's. I would say more. I don't know teen rom com novel. I don't okay. Know. Sure. Uh, what, what's that John Green book? Fault yeah, in our stars, it's the Fault like in Our Stars. Yeah. yeah, that exactly. Yes, that's the uh, the Fault in Our Stars type movie. Because I'm now ancient, all of these movies look and seem the exact same to me. Like every single trailer, somebody tweeted us at tweeted this at us, and I can't remember who it was. But somebody was like, "Didn't this movie come out last year?" And I was like, "I know what movie you're talking about." Everything, everything. Yeah, there it is. There it is. That's that's what I was thinking of, and I was like, "Basically the same thing." And it's again, I'm not bashing it. It's for an audience. It's for somebody. It's just not for for me. And it's because of how old I am at this point. I just all of these movies look the exact same to me. And there's three of them every year and, it, and they all will just blend together into one kind of group of film. So They're all about, I'm sure like, it's fine. Terminal illness though. <laughs> I, know, I know. Everything, I know. everything is about, um, a girl who's like a bubble girl. Yeah. She can't go outside or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. fault in our stars is, has something like that where somebody, She's on an oxygen tank or something. I don't. I don't want to be Dude, disrespectful watched, or rude. Yeah, I've not seen yeah. those. That one's I, I horrible. But why, why is that a trend? That's an interesting like case <laughs> yeah. study we need to do. I don't Psychologist know, needs to email us and let us know why. <laughs> yeah, teens are turning. I don't, to, to I don't know why it. that's that's the theme, but uh, yeah, I saw. Used I would to be say vampires. You go. You you know you go vampires. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. It was right. wizards when I was young. It was, it was wizards, mm-hmm. vampires, terminal illness. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the natural right. progression of most. <laughs> right. Right. Narratives. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's an interesting phenomenon. I don't understand it, but I think I've seen a couple of these, and again, they all blend together. I can't tell them yeah. apart, except for a fault in our stars. I can definitely tell that one apart because there's a there's a very long scene in which. They make out in the Anne Frank house, and it's the like the worst thing I've ever seen on film. Oh. Uh, and so, I don't know if that's in the book or not. I don't really care if it's in the book. The John Green should be ashamed of that. It's just, it's just a horrendous, horrible, horrible scene. So that one, that one's worse than the rest, just based on. Don't make out in the Anne Frank house, guys. Like that's yeah, that's not. That's just some. Re- if if you're a believer in karma, that is like the worst kind of karma you could uh, you could have. I think. But. Yeah, something I wanted to ask you about, Brian. Uh, just to transition to movie news. Um, <laughs> Anne Frank house didn't do it for you. Okay, all right, moving no. on to something else. We can talk about it <laughs> that if you want. I mean, no, thank you. Richard's not here though. I mean, <laughs> pretty insensitive with him. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we could talk about this without Richard here. Uh, James Gunn. Yeah. Back in the saddle for Guardians 3. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, look, there, this is a 
we kind of skipped over this when he was fired because we don't because we're not getting paid to be here and we don't like to wade into difficult waters when we can not wade into Pedophilia, those waters yeah. I think yeah so I I don't know if I ever got your your take on it I I thought my opinion at the time was um, I've never been a James Gunn fan. I love the Guardians movies, and I think he does a great job with those. I pretty much hate every single thing that he's done uh, prior to the Guardians movies. I just I don't like his sense of humor, and I think he just was channeled perfectly in those movies. Um, so I I don't feel like I am somebody who champions James Gunn and and. Maybe that gives me a little partiality or impartiality, perhaps. I thought that the stuff that he tweeted obviously was gross and terrible and uh, and that kind of shock jock humor uh, was never my particular taste in in joke. I'm I'm you know, the, the Howard Stern way of doing comedy has never been my thing. I don't don't really enjoy that. And now we're in a place in a society where that is extremely on the outs and and maybe even more than that um i thought it was absurd to be honest that he was fired i thought clearly these are jokes and and more than that much more than that to me i think that we as a society we we badly want to have objectivity when it comes to stuff like this the the concept of if you say or do or tweet something horrible, um, then you will be tweet- treated the same as anyone else who says or does or tweets something horrible. And that is a I, – I think that's a noble goal. I think that's something that I – I mean I understand the impetus behind that I guess, but it – in so many cases uh, – there's got to be nuance. There's got to be some level of subjectivity or some level of just common sense of like, clearly this is somebody who is as a younger person was tweeting stupid stuff as jokes and has since stopped doing that, has made amends on some of that stuff has, has grown as a human being. I think we have to, I think we ought to be trying to allow people to grow as human beings and, and to, to stop that, to shunt that, uh, in the place of, uh, dragging culture or canceled culture, whatever you want to call it is not a great thing that is happening right now. So anyway, uh, it's a very long winded way to say I, and especially given, the the way in which this was brought to the surface uh and the 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 person that brought it out I, was i think disney was unprepared to handle uh what <laughs> what the internet has become in that moment and i would like to think that uh, a lot of companies big and small and people big and small maybe have kind of figured out a little bit over the last few months of like we do have to have some common sense when these things come up. So anyway, all that to say, I think I'll give, I want to say this. I think he handled it pretty well. I think it could have very easily been a, he could have very easily not only burned his bridges, but dug himself in so deeply that the, the idea of hiring him back here or hiring him anywhere would have been unsavory. 
Um, but it did seem like, and maybe, I don't know if you agree with me or not, Kent, cause we really haven't talked about this, but it did seem like even in the moment, um, that we were, that this was kind of dumb and that this whole, of all the many controversies that we have dealt with over the last few years, some of them very rightly so, and, and some of them perhaps a little less so that this one, even in the moment felt kind of dumb and that we would get a backtrack on it at some point, but Disney kind of held their guns and maybe, maybe the whole plan was just like, Hey, let's just kind of wait for this to gloss over and, and move on. And, and I think the, the actors bear some responsibility for it as well. Cause I, you know, I mean, Dave Bautista especially was just very adamant about, I'm not working for anybody except for, for James and, um, kind of held the line on this stuff. So, um, I don't know, man, I, I think, I think it was a, a bit of an overreaction on Disney's part to, uh, to fire him in the first place. Obviously I don't, uh, condone or, or, uh, I don't appreciate the things that he tweeted or that he got in trouble for, but I, I think it was a kind of a knee jerk reaction. I don't know. What about you? What, where, where do you fall on this thing? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's definitely, um, a situation that had to play itself out. Um, I understood them firing James Gunn from the start. I mean, they got caught in a situation where they didn't do their due diligence, obviously, when hiring him. I mean, anybody you hire to helm mm. a franchise, you've got to have an intern, somebody go through their say, go through their tweets, make sure there's nothing out there that can come mm-hmm. back at us, or their legal team or somebody has to be able to do that in these times. Um, you, you know, uh, before you hire somebody to be the face of a uh, trilogy and to be an executive producer on your biggest moneymaker. Um, so f- when the, tw- the tweets resurfaced and um, people were tweeting at Disney and saying to Disney, how could you let this guy lead the Guardians? Look what he's saying. You know, obviously <laughs> the reaction is going to be, you're right. We don't want that person leading the Guardians. Um, and they fired him. And, and I completely understood that. Um, I mean, he he did tweet that stuff. It's in, it's almost sure. indefensible. Um, whether he actually was acting on things is, is a totally, and I'm not in it under the, uh, umbrella of if you tweet it, then you do it. You know, that mm-hmm. doesn't, to mm-hmm. me, that doesn't, you can't really break a law by saying you're going to do something that you don't do on Twitter. Essentially. I mean, um, that's a whole nother road, a minority report road. We don't need to go down right now, but, um, sure. but, but yeah, I understood the re- the reaction from Disney. Maybe the answer, you know, in hindsight, was to you put him on a leave of absence and say, you know, he's not working on the movie right now. Uh, you know, just just say we've we've parted ways with him, uh, and we'll, we'll probably still use his script or whatever, you know. But mm-hmm. he might be involved somewhere along the line. Um, it's definitely something that they probably regret how it was handled. Um, to fire somebody and then bring them back is never a, it's never a good look. But I understood it at the time. I mean, we're living in a very sensitive time, and not to say this was overly sensitive for them to fire somebody who was saying that kind of stuff. But at the same time, um, they didn't do their, their due diligence in, on any level. And uh, once they finally did, then they discovered, oh, um, he can actually do this job and not be endangering anybody yeah. around him. And so that's yeah. what they should have done from the first place and known who they were dealing with, what they were dealing with. And they felt embarrassed that they didn't know what the heck was going on. And unfortunately, you know, luckily his career can maybe rebound from this because he had so much support from the people he had worked with and the actors and, and uh, family and things like that, that had, that had written in petitions to Disney to get him rehired. Um, 
But at the same time, uh, this is a learning experience for everybody. Um, don't joke about stuff like that. <laughs> it's, mm. it's inappropriate. Uh, there's not a time for it. And if you aren't joking about it, then there's something wrong with you and you've got <laughs> problems anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it's just, I feel like we can all learn and move on and, and grow. Uh, and, yeah. and I think that's what he, he said. It was like, you know, I've since those times have tried to be a better person and, and, you know, people mature and their sense of humor matures and things like that, which I totally get. Um, there's no telling what I tweeted 10 years ago. I mean, I've had Twitter for oh, over sure. 10 years. So think sure. about how much, how much different you were than 10 years ago, you know? Well, and, yeah. So. And I mean, it, for, for a lot of these things, it, it's, it's, you don't, mm, okay. This is the last, I, I don't want to, just yeah, we're out of time anyway. But, yeah. yeah. So, but you think society changes on like a, like a monthly basis. So things that you are tweeting today or saying with your friends or whatever that is extremely progressive today, let's say, is not going to be progressive in 10 years. And to, to hold people and things and ideas to the standards of today that were said or done or whatever, 10 plus years ago is, is a very foolish thing that, that to me is a, I mean, that's a, that's a major concern with cancel culture for me is, is just like, we, you know, <laughs> I mean, we got lots of real things that we got to deal with just on an everyday basis that need to be yeah. handled on both sides of, on all sides of the political spectrum, all sides of the global spectrum, all these sorts of things. So maybe we don't really need to spend time on, uh, like tracking John Wayne, you know, like maybe there's other things that we could do with our, with our energies today. It's just an, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I kind of hope this is a, I don't want to say a turning point by any means, but just like, there's gotta be some nuance in the conversation or else we're just going to spend the next 20 years like canceling each other until no, nobody has a job and no one has, it's just a, I don't know. It's just a very strange, uh, time to be in anyway, but yeah. dude, he's doing, so he's got, he's doing that and they have announced, I think it was yesterday, maybe today that suicide squad two is going full steam ahead and full speed ahead. And it is uh, like a full on reboot of the suicide squad. Yeah, I saw that. So, and he's directing that as well. So, um, I guess we're at a place where we reboot movies like two years after yeah. they are done. So there's that as well. <laughs> I saw that Deidre Selba is going to be Deadshot, the Will Smith yeah, character. Yeah. That's the only announcement mm-hmm. I've seen. Um, but yeah, it's called The Suicide Squad. So um, that's what we need. But um, So get that cash. But it looks like, according to IMDb, he's also rebooting Starsky and Hutch for TV. Oh, no. That's interesting. That that's one we could maybe not do just in general. I don't think we need a a second reboot of Starsky yeah. and Hutch. No, I don't know if you saw the trailer for Brightburn. Did you see this trailer? I saw I walked During, into the theater uh, late. State? Yeah, I walked into the theater late and I I mean it was the it was the first thing I saw. So I caught the last 30 seconds of the trailer. It was pretty terrifying. I didn't see any yeah. of the setup. So and the I setup, haven't seen it prior to that. The setup is basically um he's a producer on it, James Gunn. Right. Um, it looks like his brothers are writers. Mark Gunn and Brian Gunn are the writers. I don't know if any relation. I'll have to look into that. But um, so the premise is it's basically uh, Superman, like mm. like child 
crash lands on Earth, parents find child and adopt him, but he it ends up like he's terrorizing Earth instead of like All right. Earth. So it's like a horror movie version of Super, of Smallville or something. Gotcha. So uh looked like pretty good trailer. Yeah, and, it's creepy. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I want to see him do. He has a, definitely a sense of humor uh, or a, a sense of style when it comes to horror movies. Uh, Slither is another one of his that you need to go look uh, go look up if you have a, haven't seen it, listener. If you want to want more of James Gunn's sense <laughs> of uh, style and and um, or I guess I don't know. He's got a very very different way of doing things. And um, I was under the impression, you know, once they didn't give Taika Waititi the job for Guardians 3, I don't know, I kind of got the sense then that something was different was going to happen because that would have been such a natural transition to make, not only because of the style, his style, sense of humor, um, you know, what they're doing with Thor and Rocket and everything, it would have made sense. I don't know what they're doing Mm -hmm. with Guardians 3, but it would have made sense. But the real thing here is, uh, you know, he had already written a script. James Gunn, um, which they were probably going to use anyway. So maybe there was some shady stuff there that they had to get around to be able to use the script. Um, James Gunn had a lot of friends in the Marvel community that probably none of them wanted to step on his toes by taking on the project. Um, so there's a lot of politics at stake uh, sure. or that uh, actually happened throughout this process. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's back in where he where he was. and you know, had he not gotten in fights with Twitter trolls about Star Wars, which is what this all was about anyway, yeah, he would, he, nobody probably would have even gone back and found those tweets. Not to say that they were okay, but I'm just saying right, right, they were right. there all yeah. along. They've been here during Guardians One. They were here during Guardians Two. You know, and no, and and um, and all it takes is some loser behind a behind a screen to uh, to go do that and. Um, you know, honestly, ruin somebody's reputation, life, mm-hmm. whatever you mm-hmm. want. It's it's kind of crazy how the power the powers it will. But okay, let's um take a quick swig of water here or ginger ale or whatever you're drinking, <laughs> and uh, welcome in our guest and talk about Captain State. Good. Welcome back to our much-anticipated Captive State review. We are joined, Kent and I, here by a friend of the show, Colin. What's up, Colin? Hey, guys. Uh, not much. How about you? Thanks for being here. I'm excited to talk about your experience with Captive State, uh, both on and off set. That's going to be cool. But uh, we always like to start off with our guests uh, with a couple of questions, so I'll, uh, I'll lead you along here. Uh, have you ever seen... A little movie we like to call McGruber. Uh, I have. Um, it's probably on about once a month. Okay. Uh, so I, I try to wow. keep my McGruber. Yeah, yeah. It's you guys have gotten me hooked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was something I, I saw in college, and I was like, "Oh, it's pretty funny." But hearing you guys joke about it on the show has definitely uh, urged me to keep on uh, keep on watching that film. So you Sweet. know that when you do the old celery trick, 
You want to go thick in first. Seems counterintuitive. <laughs> Don't worry. I washed it. All right. But <laughs> I didn't wash it. It's a great bit. Okay. Well, now that you've seen it and you can attest to our uh, our powers, that you're watching it so frequently, uh, please join our letter writing campaign to get us as approved as writers on uh, any and all future MacGruber endeavors. Please send a letter directly to Will Forte and let him know how important we are to the MacGruber experience. Um, second question. Have you seen Now You See Me? I have not. I thought it was the movie with um, with Steve Carell, but that was, what was that one? Burt Wonderstone? Burt Wonderstone. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Man, okay. I forgot but about no, that. Never, Thanks a lot. Yeah, That's I a superior film. Mm-hmm. See, seeing the trailers <laughs> for it, I was like, mm, I think I'm going to hard pass on this one. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg and... Uh, Woody Harrelson only go well together when it's in zombie land. So, <laughs> okay. All right. That's a, so far we're, we're pretty good. Two for two. What's your favorite movie, Colin? Just favorite movie of all time. Somebody asked you on the street. What's the first movie that springs to mind? All right. Well, um, I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, just anything with woods in it. Um, is a, is a huge, <laughs> is, uh, oh, you're is like the bizarro Richard, yeah. right? Exactly. So, uh, I love woods, but yeah, Lord of the Rings was a big, <laughs> uh, big film for me, but anything, honestly, anything Steven Spielberg, um, it has just a lot of nostalgia for me. So sweet. This guy really is the, the bizarro that is Richard. the opposite of Richard. <laughs> Glad Richard's not Richard here. Would be like, uh, anything yeah, without woods and out. anti Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was hoping to hear like a, uh, so Colin, you know, I bet you're, you're physically fit. And I was hoping to respond with, you know, you tend to be fit, fit with uh, carrying a 20 foot python around all the time. So. <laughs> it's perfect. Like 20 it's perfect. in your jeans. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. That's a great transition in Captain <laughs> State. So right. tell us, tell us, Colin, uh, your role in the production. Uh, yeah. So I had the pleasure of being an animal handler on the on this movie. And uh, I work for a company that, you know, is, is a, um, uh, is a big deal. No, um, they're, they're pretty prominent in the, in the Chicagoland area when it comes to filming on, on sets and stuff. Uh, over the last several years, um, Chicago has had a big boom in productions, which is awesome. Um, and they've been on, you know, pretty much every single set there. So, um, I'm glad that I was invited on to, to, uh, to join this project. Awesome. But, um, yeah, but initially, so, uh, what I was invited for, um, only a few animals showed up in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, they were inquiring for some rats and some bugs. Um, but we didn't see any of the bugs in the film. And so that's why I was like, oh man, this is a little bit different of a film than what was actually, uh, put up or posted up on the big screen. So. Oh, wow. interesting. Okay. I, de- yeah. I definitely noticed a rat in a pivotal scene in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Was that one oh, of your that rats? That was one of my one of my rats. That's a quite a large rat. Do you just keep yeah. giant rats <laughs> my, around for? Yeah, my dad said the same thing. No, um, so yeah, um, no, we keep rats around um, because, believe it or not, brown rats are not a common uh, thing you'd find at like a pet store. So mm-hmm. um, we tend to keep some some brown rats around, and you know, yeah, uh, I don't, don't want to say domesticate them, but you know, train them up so they're yeah. they're tolerant of people and that they can you know perform you know simple you know tricks and and commands. Uh huh. Um, so. You do that in Chicago. You just, uh, you know, whatever film crew rolls through that needs animals, you're there pretty much. That's that's the gig. 
Yeah. Um, pretty cool. Me, more specifically, it's the kind of the more, you know, obscure animals. So it's the, um, the rodent, animals. Right. Exactly. Rodents, reptiles, bugs, amphibians, things mm-hmm. like that. Interesting. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Uh, well, it'll be very, very uh, interesting to get your perspective on this uh, behind the scenes. So you said that it was a different movie than you were expecting. Why right. would you, why, what makes you say that? I'm trying. So I don't know if that would be more in the spoiler territory, but um, it was supposed to be more from what we had filmed and for the scenes that I filmed, it was more centric towards the bugs and how they related to the alien race. Um, Oh, and yes. And I am wondering if there'll be anything on the deleted scenes uh, going forward and looking at this, you know, obviously post theater. So, Um, but yeah, there was more, uh, more communication through bugs Mm. to the aliens. And I think they cut that out at a certain point and kind of expedited that. And with, whatever they did. I don't really want to spoil that right now, but sure. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say without cool. like, going well, into spoilers. Yeah. Things. We'll, we'll, we'll get back. We'll get more on that as we go for sure. Um, I think, I think we are, <laughs> I think we're as interested in hearing about kind of the, uh, the making of the movie as oh, talking yeah, that's about yeah. this movie I, for sure. I, for sure. I agree. This wasn't a huge um, hit. So, right. Um, it didn't. Um, it didn't do well. But let's do. Hey, can't let's do. Let's do general thoughts and yep. let's just jump into spoilers since we got since we got an inside man here. Yeah. And, hey, uh, no one that's listening it. saw this anyway. So. <laughs> Nobody saw this movie. So. <laughs> that is. Man, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I, I, I want to be three people nice in my possible. theater. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It was funny because the theater that we saw it in. This was. You know, this is my first uh, major motion picture that I got to be a part of. And the theater that my my friends and family went to, because I'm like, oh, you know, this should be great, you know, not knowing what the final cut was going to look like. And they put us in the smallest theater possible for the two showings for that night. And I'm like, oh, no, this is this is not good. <laughs> like, it, my, my family took up half the half the theater and we only had like 10 people with us. So it was yeah, it was kind of disappointing. Um, I I really got a sense of. I don't know. Uh, just to transition to general thoughts, Brian, I got a sense yeah. of, I don't know, a really kind of cult classic sci-fi feel from this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is going to have a, a, a big fan base of people that are going to find it and discover it and want more movies and want to go further into this world. Um, that's just the sense that I got watching it. Uh, I really enjoyed this, uh, for the most part. Um, uh, from a, you know what I I think every director should do an alien movie of some kind. I want to see every director's take on what their version of an alien, you know, discovering aliens, alien invasion, aliens come to Earth, you know, we discover aliens, whatever that is in their mind. I want to see that because there's so sure. many different ways to go about it, and I thought this is a really cool way to go about it. Um, I really liked uh. Parts of this, um, parts of it I did not, but uh, it, it definitely has a c- kind of a cult sci-fi feel to it, and um, a rewatchability factor, and Easter egg factor, and you know breadcrumb factor, and things like that to it that um, mm. that you want in these. Uh, it, it has you want to look further into a lot of things, and uh, not a lot of these movies have that, and have the uh, I don't know have the 
deserve the attention that this one deserves uh, beyond what was on the screen. But I'll, I'll definitely have my list of of qualms too. But mm-hmm. just general thoughts, yeah. I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the ride. I really enjoyed the production design. I enjoyed the the creature design a lot. Um, I enjoyed how little they showed of the creature. Um, I, I wanted more of that. Uh, I still want more of that. Um, that's a fine line to walk, but I felt, you know, since we're in spoilers that they, they showed enough of it to keep it interesting and to keep it mysterious without, uh, making it boring, which is a complaint that I've, I have. And, and if you bring the creature in too early into the movie, that certain things happen, which they do in this, but not all the way, which is intriguing. And, um, yeah, for the most part, I was, I was leaning towards positive when I left. Actually, I was... I had a very big eye roll when I left, and then I leaned towards positive, and we'll talk about mm. that. I guess I'll get into that spoiler later because that's the spoiler. Um, but yeah, it, it before I get it negative, I want Brian and uh, and our guests to give their thoughts. So Brian, I love sci-fi. I love the. I, I'm kind of with you, Ken. I I would love to see uh, more directors do sci-fi and venture out and and try their hand at it. It seemed like for a really long time, all of the alien coming to Earth movies uh, like this were were all, were all centered around the actual invasion. And lately, it seems like I've I've seen this more and more. That's kind of becoming the a trope, which I like. I'm I'm excited about both with movies, TV, and even in some of the books that I've been reading that of uh, kind of the the aftermath of the attack or the invasion or the whatever and just like how we're trying to deal with an alien presence on the planet i like that i think that's an it's not that it hasn't been done before by any means but it's just a different look and a different take so i i kind of enjoy that i think it's a cool concept this seems like a movie that is it seems like the script is great at about 40 pages and the the fleshing out is kind of got away from from rupert wyatt and uh the other writer whose name, uh, oh my stupid, uh, Erica Beanie. It yeah. just seems like it seems like fifty pages or so was probably. It's a really cool concept and a good idea, and I imagine the treatment for this, you know, it's like whatever twenty five, forty pages was really good, and then you kind of once you get into the the hundred, hundred and twenty pages, you start to think, ooh, I don't know, I don't know if we hit the mark here. This is this is starting to feel odd, and I perhaps you see that in the kind of as you mentioned in our news segment, Kent, like some of the the lack of advertising and and just not a lot of buzz centered around this. Maybe the uh, maybe the studio, maybe Focus Features, which is a weird. This is a weird. That's a weird home for this movie. Focus Features to to be doing this kind of movie. Um, maybe they just didn't know what to do with it because it's it's what I thought. Kent sitting watching about 20, 30 minutes in, I was like, this movie should be on Netflix. Like this would be a yep. This would be a really good Friday night drop on Netflix, and it would be better than <laughs> like a movie we may do a bonus episode on later this week that just came out on Netflix and several others that are in there. It would fit that that uh, tro- it would fit in on Netflix a little bit better. You wouldn't feel like you perhaps spent money that you <laughs> regret spending, which I think. There weren't very many people in my theater, but I, I got the impression that about half of the 10 or so people who were there were not real thrilled with the money that they'd paid for this. So I, I think that would have been a better move for the movie. But it, 
it has some really it has some interesting features it's got some good parts um i like the vision for the world in which this exists i know that it is earth but like his uh rupert's uh design of what the world looks like post invasion was kind of cool and there's some so there's some real interesting stuff to it but man it kind (laughs) of it gets off track in multiple spots and and it it really i think it really struggles to find its footing kind of over and over there's too many storylines and and i think that that didn't uh that didn't help things but anyway colin what uh what are your your uh, general thoughts and your initial takeaways on this one and then we'll we'll go full in on on the spoilery stuff yeah so um you know my takeaway is too um just seeing the chicago backdrop i think that was my number one um I, I guess uh, takeaway from this is not many movies in the last 10, 15 years have been filmed in Chicago and have mm-hmm. seen that landscape. And I think that's something that, you know, in the next, you know, coming years that we'll be seeing a lot more of, but just, just the scenery in, in general, absolutely beautiful. Um, the CGI was an amazing compliment to some of the practical effects. I thought even the, the creature design um, and the two types of creatures too, there was that, um, more of that spiny creature and the, uh, I guess, the other type of alien that they had kind of mm-hmm. come out with, I mm-hmm. thought was beautiful. The action was great right from the get-go, but you're right. It kind of loses lose steam right after the first, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And there was a couple times where I was checking my watch, like, all right, we're, you know, the the pacing was, was kind of poorly done for me. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I thought that the... Uh, without getting into spoilers just yet, the, the ending of the film should have been scattered throughout the beginning of the film. If that makes any sense where, um, that emotional, yeah, that emotional tie in at the end should have, the seed should have been planted from the beginning and kind of scattered throughout, throughout that film because the payoff in the end just, it just didn't didn't pull it off for me at the end. It just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not enough weight, not enough weight throughout the entire film to do so. But um, I mean, overall, again, the action was great. Um, scenery was amazing. And you're right. The creature design Kent was was pretty interesting. It, it kind of left, left me wanting more. It was more of that Jaws complex where you see just glimpses of it. You get a little piece of it, but you always want more. And, you know, I didn't feel like there was too much of a big reveal on those aliens, though, um, towards mm-hmm. the end. So mm-hmm. that's what kind of left me uh, towards the end of the film like that. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely good stuff. Um, I mentioned breadcrumbs earlier. And, man, this really felt like it was just dots. And they were just laying out the dots. And it was up to us, the audience, to connect the dots. Um, I mean, I forgot the character's name. Um, his name, his character's name is, uh, Drummond. I can't remember if it's Gabe or the other guy. Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel. Yeah. The younger one, yeah. Gabriel. The younger one's Rafe Gabriel. Is okay. the older one. Okay. Right. The younger one, Gabriel. Um, he was, you know, kind of the, I don't know, baton carrier, uh, of this whole thing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and you know, we're kind of following it from his perspective, uh, throughout most of it. And so, you know, it just starts out it goes from the classifieds and then uh we had the the whole implant surgery thing go on and then they had the like the code in the cigarette and then the cigarette code goes to the radio station that plays the song and then the song 
triggers the dog, that triggers the mechanic, that <laughs> triggers the license plate, yeah. that goes to the implant, and then they go to a church, and then this lady with goo goes to this rally, and then there's this, you know, it's like it's like all these <laughs> yeah. little yeah. dots are being placed yeah. the, the entire way, and I'm just like, okay, I understand. It's a okay, very yeah, convoluted okay. plan. Well, it's right, like, right. if one yeah. thing... It's like they're all. Is everybody just waiting yeah. for this to happen? Right. That's what I'm wondering. Right. Like, yeah. everybody's just walking yeah. around. Like, all right, I'm just waiting for this dog to come barking at me. And yeah, once the dog the comes, plan goes off without know. a hitch. But God, my dadgum dog wouldn't bark. Ah, yeah, yeah. man. It's like, well, no invasion today, guys. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> it, it was very funny, like that. And I'm like thinking the whole time. It's like, okay, I see you doing this, and I'm like. There's gonna be a twist at the end or something, and it better be worth it. That's all I'm thinking is like when the twist happens, I better be like standing up clapping at okay, it was worth it. The jury was worth the uh the pain that you kind of pulled me through. And there was a twist and it wasn't worth it. <laughs> and I was like, No, no. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's what we did. And then um but then I started thinking about the creature design and I was like, that was pretty cool. And so I had a positive mindset leaving the theater, but I did not like the twist. I didn't like the end. Um, yeah, the, the the invisible goo. Like, come on, really? <laughs> and they don't really explain. They don't explain it. They, so it's just yeah, like anybody could be walking around at any time with, this, with the, the, goo. the goo and be a suicide <laughs> right. bomber. Essentially, um, that's a really easy thing to write into a script. Invisible goo that can destroy. Yeah, that's C4. Yeah. Yeah. But the twist, I mean, you said uh, that the calling that the um, seeds should have been planted earlier. Are you talking about in terms of of John Goodman, the reveal of him being an insider? I see. That's to me, that's like, that's the twist. And it's, it's okay. Um, Well, I'm saying, uh, um, I'm saying that they should have emphasize the relationship of the partnership of his Gabriel's father and John Goodman, because you're like, Oh yeah, they were partners, but that doesn't, I mean, again, I work with people that, you know, I'm partners with, but it doesn't mean that I like them that much. You know what I mean? Like, so when they did that tie in at the end, like it, to me, I was like, Oh man, like if they would have really focused on what life was like before the apocalypse and how John Goodman went from this guy that, you know, Gabriel was really close with and all this kind of stuff, but it it seemed like Gabriel didn't even know that John Goodman was that close with his family. So right. I'm like, it's only been 10 years. Gabriel's got to be in his 20s. So, yeah, you know like what I mean? So it just, I right. It just didn't add. Like, it just yeah. didn't add up to me. I'm like, how did you not know that that John Goodman was that close with your family? And, you know, Vera Flamingo's character, you know, I forget how to say her last name. Vera Flamingo's character was that close with your family. And everything be a, a total surprise to you. Like he looked at her and was like, I have no idea who you are when he saw her, um, at the brothel, um, towards yeah, the, the I middle mean, of the movie. Like, that and was I'm like, his fifth grade teacher. Like, you, right. You don't remember your fifth guy. Exactly. I mean, I think I would at the very least be like, Oh yeah, you look familiar. I don't know. It just was, yeah. that was a strange, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. And the fact that where she was, you know, she was standing there and she goes, Oh, I can't wait to meet you. Gabriel. It's not like she was just saying hi to the camera. Like she physically calls his name out. And I'm like, so you didn't know, like I, it just didn't yeah. add up to me. And that's what left me kind of scratching my head where I was like, uh, how does this? So, yeah, you know, Damon Lindelof, JJ Abrams gets tagged with this a lot too, but Lindelof, I think is the, one of the greater, uh, abusers of the, of the mystery box of the, 
you just get so it's like in the writing you just get so wrapped up in they what in trying what, to preserve yeah. these surprises and yeah, what that's, that's going to be like when the characters discover it and more so what the when the audience discovers it and stuff and a lot of times what happens when that with that is you just you wind up in a situation where the the reveal might be cool but it's been it's not worth you said, Ken. It's not worth the buildup. Or by the time you get to the reveal, there are so many more strings that have been pulled that you don't you don't feel good about that. Again, this is like on paper, it sounds cool when you say, "Okay, but what if we come to find out that the?" And by the way, we we are fully in spoilers for the the seven and a half people who saw this movie. But like <laughs> the and so you know, but it's but it's on paper like if i'm having this conversation with you kent and i'm like pitching you my my movie idea and we're gonna write this movie together and and one of the things i say is like well it turns out that the the uh the person who's actually in charge of the resistance uh or at least who we think is in charge of the resistance used to be his fifth grade teacher and it's like whoa he used to know his her she he his uh his dad was and his parents were super close with all these people he's not going to know it until the end and you're like whoa that sounds really cool and then we get into the writing and you you have to add 100 pages and you start you know fleshing out the storylines and and yeah. make and adding characters and all this sort of stuff and and eventually you get to a place where it's like the mystery isn't worth everything that we did to just get to it and it's cool but it's not so cool that you have to hold it for like a kind of right. it, it felt like this movie thought that they had like a Shyamalan type ending and it right. super super does not on any, any of the the endings I mean I, look I I think for me and Kate, you said you had did you even see a trailer for this before I you never went, seen a trailer went, okay no. The trailer and and again, nobody saw this movie, so maybe it doesn't even matter. But the trailer has a clip in it uh, of John Goodman boarding the uh, strapped in to it looks in the in the trailer. You think he's getting in a you know, he's shooting up to go up to a spaceship or something. But it turns out he's shooting down to go down to where the uh, I don't know, they're drilling. The aliens are drilling or whatever uh, underneath the city or building underneath the city and stuff. But that that clip is in the trailer. And so I don't know how much impact that had on my viewing experience, but there was, I mean, within 30 minutes, there was no doubt in my mind that John Goodman's going to wind up being a part of this resistance when it's all said and done. I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe he does it unwittingly. I don't know. Or maybe he is the mastermind behind it the whole time. But to me, it felt like you could, you could see the Goodman thing coming from a mile off. Mm -hmm. And then when that's your ultimate big reveal and your, your penultimate reveal is like, (laughs) you know, uh, Vera Farmiga, who's great. I love her. She, is very underutilized, I think, but she, she was his fifth grade teacher and all these people were connected. I, it just, it's not that it's bad. I don't think there's anything in this movie that's just outright bad, but you have a lot of kind of tenuous connections and, and tedious plot points and shaky camera. It's just a lot of, of mediocre to like slightly below average that kind of adds up after a while. And it leaves you with kind of, I think it's like you, you end up feeling like it's worse than it actually is just because of the, the number of it's, it's death by paper cut, right? Like it's just a lot of little things that you're just by the end, you're kind of annoyed with. And 
I don't know about you guys. I the, I was stoked that this was under two hours long. I was like, sweet, this is going to be great. I'm I'm happy I can squeeze this in at the right time of the day. And boy, I was checking my watch uh, before an hour was up. I was like, how much longer do we have of this? It just it really doesn't move. Once at they the hit pace the Unity Rally, I think it was, like dude. midway yeah. through, and you're thinking like this should probably be the end, but it, right. I know it's not. And but I'm not all in for what happens after this. That's when I was. I was checking my watch. It, you, we, I mean, we nailed it from the start. I think you you mentioned it, Brian. Um, this is a great pitch that was stretched out into a movie. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, it reads great. I'm sure. You know, the last mm-hmm. page is probably like Mulligan goes down the elevator, and mm-hmm. it is revealed the goo, and like that's <laughs> when you realize that he was, you know, he's going down the bomb, the aliens, and that he wasn't actually, uh chasing them that he was actually on their side and that he's chosen human you know humankind and against aliens instead of uh, you know all these things it reads great and i would you know i probably would have applauded in the pitch meeting and be like i'm in let's do it sure uh, sure but yeah then you stretch that out to an hour and 49 minutes you try to you know lay all these uh, clues without laying clues as to what the twist is going to be i mean we we mentioned it earlier now you see me had almost the same <laughs> twist as this, horribly executed, um, but almost the same twist. Like, oh, the guy that's pursuing them is actually on their side. Wow. Okay. Um, by the way, the the poster for Captive State, the red smoke. Not that's not in the movie, is it? it yeah, it has nothing to do. You're right. It has nothing I, to do. I don't with, remember that. With at all. No. So, so I think they wow. got Dark Phoenix and, and well, Captive State mixed up at that point. They, yeah, it happens in the very opening scene, and that's the only time red when smoke? his parents his parents get vaporized into red dust, like right at the very beginning of the movie, hmm. and then He's that never a happens. Flare again. on the poster, a flare yeah. that's that's causing the smoke, like a smoke bomb, I, like flare I mean, thing. Maybe I'm completely confused, but like I was waiting for that to continue because you know like his parents at the very beginning that shows off a lot of uh of power from from these aliens i mean they like vaporized his parents sitting in their car mm-hmm. and then that never ha- like they never put that power on display oh, again so when, i thought I that was no blood. yeah i don't know what you're talking about was yeah, it I thought was that, it like vaporized blood no okay. i thought that was like he like he decapitated them. They like shot out like those like spines or those like um, okay. porcupine things. Like shot them through the car, and the kids ducked okay. down because they were small. But the parents were like sitting in the front, and they just got like decapitated. I don't know. I saw like blood everywhere in the car. That's that's what I thought happened. I don't know if they vaporized okay. them. But... Okay, maybe I just misunderstood. I don't. I don't know. I don't, it was I a don't weird. Know. But I didn't see like a giant. Basically, the poster is not in the movie, so that's what I'm trying to say. You know, it's yeah, a weird, that too, for sure. Weird advertising. Yeah. Um, anyway, aside from that, yeah, it, it does feel like, like, like I said, it's it's kind of well shot. I thought. Um, I'm not a fan of, like you mentioned, Brian, the shaky cam or the shoulder cam uh, approach. But you know, for a movie like this, that's so grounded in, you know, point of view and following this kid around and stuff, it really does kind of work for this aesthetic. So I understand mm-hmm. that. I thought the CG was really good. Um, I thought the ships yeah. looked great. I thought all the landscapes, like how they accented it with Chicago mixed with the alien technology was cool. I really liked the, um, you know, so many movies have these hologram screens that I, I can't stand those, you know, like where there's a table and like, 
the table is a, a light and like the, the actual device that they're using is a hologram and they're like a computer is a hologram. Like they do that in the Avengers and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I like these physical devices that they have here in this, like the more the MS DOS based, like uh, dystopian future of, of technology that this had. I liked that too. Just the, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. vision of, for like the future of technology. I love the tracking so- software stuff because it's futuristic, but it's also primitive at the same time. And yeah. uh, I, I really liked liked all that stuff because I think that we're not far away from that at all because we all carry around GPS devices that are assigned to our identities, you know, anyway. So we're not far off, far off from that surveillance. So I had some little bit of satire there uh, to go to go along with it. But what did you what did you guys think of that and kind of the whole, you know, everybody's being tracked and um, all that? Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was a good blend of uh, kind of old technology with what you, I guess, you would think is probably alien little technology. Blade, and little stuff. Blade Runner mixed with like District sure. Nine. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I like that through the course of all the the sort of spycraft stuff that they're doing, uh, which was <laughs> you mentioned, it was like hit way too hard with way too many steps in the process, but. Uh, but it was it was cool to see them. I like when movies do. It's 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 this is not unique to this movie by any means, but I like the idea that we have to resort to old school technology when in order to avoid like the, alien my detection favorite thing and stuff. Was, was, cool. the, was the pigeons? I love I love yeah. like the yeah, homing cool. pigeons. Like that that is something you could use with nothing else available to you. No power or anything. Or no you know no cell phone whatever. Um, that that was interesting. So yeah, there was like a, kind of a gray area between what worked and what didn't work. Like cars worked in certain times and they didn't in other times, and yeah. it's very convenient. Kind mm-hmm. of yeah, so yeah. There's the, a lot of MacGuffin-y stuff, yeah. which is fine. Like again, it's I don't feel like I'm somebody who will sit here and just nitpick over and over on on every little thing. It's just you know when there's <laughs> I don't know when there's ten items of or or moments of of pure plot convenience you're like okay that's fine it's a movie i get it when there's a hundred you kind of start to be like man this is really stretching thin my my ability to just set that kind of thing aside it just it just started to be overwhelming after a while and and i don't think it helped that half the plot was unnecessary or not as good as the other half and that those halves like kind of switched at points you right. know it's like the protagonist it's, it jumps back and forth between uh gabe and rafe and there's times when gabe's story is just brutal and not enjoyable at all and or watchable really and that kid was great in <laughs> moonlight and he's less great in this and i think maybe you know, maybe it's material. Maybe this just this is tough to do. Maybe it's that Barry Jenkins is a really great director and Rupert Wyatt maybe isn't. I don't know. Like, well, maybe we'll find out in uh, his next few movies. But he was kind of he was really iffy and up and down. And then then there were parts where Ray's story was really I was much more invested in that storyline. And then it switched after a while. And I was like, I'm kind of done with this guy. I don't I want to get out of this. This is kind of a, a, a bit of a beating. Um and some of those moments, okay, I'm with you. Shaky Cam is was fine with for me in the action sequences and in some of the the movement scenes to like show from his perspective and stuff. But 
there were a couple times like when he is reunited, when the brothers are reunited and the camera is just dancing all over the freaking room. And for some reason, like Rafe is like down on his knees, kind of pleading with him. And it doesn't really make sense for what he's saying. It's just a it's a very odd scene. And there were two or three like that that kind of jumped out of. Hey, what are we doing with the camera, man? Like, it's cool to just at some point you could just stop doing this. You could stop having uh, Louis Lettier disease. You could you could just let it be for for a couple of these scenes. And anyway, it. I just think honestly, those two characters could probably be combined into one, and the movie would be better off for it. Could be a a little bit streamlined, and maybe would be uh, we would appreciate that. Honestly, I just think there's there was too many. Uh, B minus to C minus storylines clogging up the screen at any given time. Yeah, and I don't even think they explained what Gabriel's brother did to, or did they explain that where he or how he passed away or how he how he died? They just said that he was like a martyr, basically, where he yeah was, was part yeah. of the resistance. They they really don't go into too much detail on that either, which was like. Okay, well then, how do we know for certain he's dead? Like, was this? I, I don't know. That was mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was another one. But um, my my big thing too from the beginning, not many movies start off or starting off with like a lot of expletive of like, oh, this is what's going on. And like, it was a good, it was a solid seven minutes of reading of like, this yeah, is what's going on, time. and that's a huge cue for we had major rewrites. Now we have to explain to you without actually filming things and using B roll footage. Mm-hmm. what's going on and i'm like oh no mm-hmm. this is yeah, this is not, not a great sign yeah so other than like a star wars movie you know that you know that's typical but um you know that it's usually not a good sign when it comes you know for something like that it's, yeah. yeah no i agree definitely agree yeah um I, I I gotta admit, probably my favorite part of the movie was the opening title sequence with like the music oh. and everything <laughs> that was my favorite thing I love that. I love the music and the um, just the opening credits was really cool. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't get to say that a lot, but uh, it was good in this. <laughs> and uh, that's that's about it. That's about all I got on Captive State. Um, I'm I'm ready to grade this out. If you guys got any closing thoughts on this, no, I'm good. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I can kind of uh, just give you a brief thing on what was. Yeah, yeah. I tell us the differences. To... Sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, no the, yeah. The bug I mean, thing. this isn't the yeah, this thing. isn't most yeah. exciting. Yeah, tell us the spoiler. Movie, but, um, but yeah, so I guess more of the spoiler side of things. There was a character. Do you guys remember in that when they were in Soldier Field and they were doing that big uh, rally deal? And there was that character in the middle. He was all pale and he was in white robes. Okay, and he was reaching his hands up to the sky. And the marching yes. band is kind of dancing yeah. around him. That guy had yes. a way bigger role in this film than just the tiny spot that you saw him. Um, and his care. So when we were when we were approached with this, they wanted a stick bug or like a praying mantis style uh, insect for part of the um, for part of this movie. And again, not reading the script or anything like that, not knowing too much of the backstory. That that individual was the link between the aliens and the human race. He was he was a human, um, but he had this really cool makeup. Um, it looked like he had spent a lot of time underground, which means I don't know if he was if he was captured at one point and spent a good majority of time down there, you know, trying to build a relationship with the aliens. But 
Um, he had come back up and they had bu- built this beautiful tent scene. Um, there was many aquariums in there and stuff. And um, at one point, John Goodman and his partner, uh, played by Kevin O'Connor, um, uh, I can't remember, but his his now partner um, mm. go down there to kind of interact with this guy. And um, from what I was led to believe, this guy found the link between you know communicating you know, with the aliens with the bugs. Okay. Um, but and that was kind of a big part for us. And so they had us bring in a bunch of fruit flies, which I'm led to believe that those fruit flies, you guys remember when they're walking to when Gabriel's walking to work, there's there's those bugs flying um, above them yeah. looking at the bugs. And, whatever, and those really don't add up anywhere. Like they're really not explained like, oh, those are spies. Those are whatever um, the fruit. I believe the fruit flies that we brought on set because they had those in a vial. Um, I believe that they were, you know, they had caught those and used those in, you know, a part of the movie to trying to decipher a code on how to, um, you know, intercept the alien communications and whatnot. So weird. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. But, it's interesting. Like, just, I mean, I know this happens in every movie. It's not right, that this, right. that's a rare thing, but it is, that is fascinating the way in which these movies change. Uh, on set, you know, and in the the course of here's what we shot. Now we got to go. <laughs> now we got to go back home and piece this thing together and figure out uh, how it works. It's it's that's a that's interesting. It's very because that's a lot of stuff that right. you wonder if that would have made the movie make a little more sense in places. Uh, some of that some of that information for sure. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Overall, I mean, this is my second project with Rupert, um, and you know, meeting him. You know, he's a great guy. Obviously, I mean, you can't. You know, uh, there's a distinguish between, you know, someone's work and, you know, whatever. But um, overall, I mean, he was great to work with. He was an amazing director. Um, the day that I met him uh, was uh, April 20th of 2017. And as I was driving to set, it was announced that he had been dropped or he had backed out of uh, directing the new um, Gambit film. So I was mm. like, oh, man, I was like, oh, I don't, should I bring this up? Should I talk to him about it? Um, but. But yeah, it was it was really cool just being on set with him. The other project that I had been on that he was a part of was The Exorcist, uh, the TV series. Um, okay. And that's when I got to work with him uh, and Gina Davis on, which was she was cool. a delight. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, it, yeah, my I guess my final thoughts wrapping this up is, you know, it was it was a fun project to be a part of. I'm glad that, you know, Chicago has, you know, has gotten some some bigger movies being made here. Um, and, you know, I'm hopeful for the future because again this did have a lot of shining moments in it um it just you know didn't land the dismount so interesting thanks yeah we really appreciate your perspective on that that's uh that's i would have liked to seen where it could have gone had all that stuff been included but maybe we couldn't have gotten out of there in an hour and 49 so we'll never know right you know so <laughs> right that's what you gotta, left, you gotta you gotta know, make sacrifices it, you know yeah it kind of left me um have you guys seen the movie uh, It Comes at Night? Maybe. It's, no. It was a movie that came out maybe last year, but it was a uh, the 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 trailers led it to believe, and it's the I can't remember the actor's name. He was in The Warrior with uh, Tom Hardy. That one with the like the dog oh, on the yeah. cover. Uh, yes, it's like a dog walking. I did see that. Yeah, Joel Edgerton. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and so not knowing anything about that movie, apparently it was a movie about the loss of his father and or dealing with the loss of his father, but. As a moviegoer, I don't, I mean, not knowing anything about the the property or anything like that, the ending of that film left me like, wait, what the heck is going on? And this film kind of did the same thing 
for me where I was like, we were just getting started. Like I felt like this movie was just starting to kick up. And that's when I checked my watch and I was like, oh my gosh, it's over. There's nothing that's going to be happening after this plot twist, um, which I thought that plot twist could have led to something more. And maybe Gabriel and his brother, I don't know, starting a resist, you know, I mean, you know, starting some type of resistance fight rally thing, whatever with, with the aliens up top. But um, yeah, I mean that, I got that same kind of like, uh, what the heck feeling after, after the ending of that film, just like I did with uh, it comes at night. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I don't think I ever saw that one, but uh, it came at a time where we were probably reviewing something else, which happens a lot around here. Yeah, no, um, you didn't. <laughs> uh, Brian, you want to hit a grade here? Yeah, let's do it. What's your grade? My grade for me, I'm going to go maybe the rarest of all grades for me. I'm just going to go a straight C. It's it's not it's not bad, bad, but. It just really, I just think after, after a time it, it got to a place where I'm like, this is missing the mark more than it is hitting the mark. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. So, uh, C for me that, but, but not, not an awful movie. One that definitely could have a second life as on Netflix or, uh, whatever TBS or something. Uh, yeah. Sure. C for me. How about you? Yeah, I'll go. I was going to go C plus. Um, I was going to, I was thinking about C, but I'll give it a half a grade higher just because uh, I did like the uh, production design and creature design. Sure. I just thought the plot was so meandering and so mm-hmm. insulting to the audience <laughs> for us to try to go on this journey. That was not interesting. And for the reveal to be what it was, I was like, all right, thanks. Thank you. Next. All right. You know, so that's, that's kind of my review. Um, yeah. C plus, but you know, I think, I think this property you know, I, I hate to say this, this made $3 million. Um, like, if this had a sequel, I think it could be pretty good. I know that sounds weird. but It's a cool, it's yeah. a cool world. It's a cool property. You're right. It, it just, just some weird, some, something was lost between pitch and, and development. Something, yeah. something, something missed in there. Maybe it works as a short and it doesn't work as a movie. Sometimes yeah. that happens, you know. Sure. Definitely. Okay. Colin, what was your grade, man? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to agree with both of you I'll, anywhere between a C and a C plus. That was, cool. I, I, I don't want to give it a failing grade, but yeah, I'll definitely go with yeah, this. It passes the test, but just barely. So yeah. Okay. Let's hit a weekly recommend before we get out of here then. Weekly recommends. Okay, Brian, what's your recommend? My weekly recommend is a documentary that I've been wanting to see for a very long time, for maybe three or four years, and it has not been on streaming anywhere, and I finally got a hold of it uh, in a physical form, thanks to you, Kinto, and, and I loved it. It was a great great watch. It's called All Things Must Pass, The Rise and Fall of Tower Records. It's a documentary about Tower Records, directed by colin hanks and uh just has a lot of it's just a very straightforward simple documentary about uh record store that uh, was you know one of the would you say like three biggest record stores in the world chain wise and everything with that and virgin and um i don't know sam goody maybe something like that but a huge huge presence uh and the the way in which it, it was built up he had a lot of some footage and then a lot of uh, interviews with uh, Ru- uh, Russ Solomon, the guy who found 
Hightower and Elton John's in the documentary. Uh, American Treasure Dave Grohl is in there. It's it's a really fun, cool watch, and uh, I've been looking forward to it for a long time. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 very enjoyable. Again, I don't think it's streaming anywhere, so you're gonna have to find a copy. But uh, but it was it, it was it was uh, it was solid, and I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it. So check that out again. It's called All Things Must Pass: The Rise and Fall of Tower Records. That one's a. Uh... That's a tough one. He he had just passed away, I think, last year. Um, Russ Solomon. Okay. And um, I remember calling calling uh, Hanks, posting about him again. But um, I don't think I've watched that one since it initially came out. Um, mm-hmm. I probably need to go back and watch it again. I just remember being really emotional about it because yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, I started in the music business right at the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of the last physical CDs that were released, like, like, and actually that label spent money on basically was kind of the record cycles that I was used to. And so Mm -hmm. I experienced like the fall of music industry, like firsthand. And so it brought back some, some, I don't know, just, I miss, I I miss, I, I, that's why I'm I'm very, you and I are the same, Brian, um, and you know we have our own record collections and things like uh mm-hmm. you know we value you know the the records that we grew up on and things like that and and there's totally so many memories tied with going and finding you know I remember where I bought certain albums you know I totally do and um for the, your your childhood record store to close down is is, is definitely a sad thing and yeah. think about how many tower records there were around and I meant to mention this last week actually but as part of the marketing for Captain Marvel, they actually reopened the Tower Records on Sunset for like oh, a day. Oh, cool. They did a little pop up for Captain Marvel, and it looked like Tower Records on the outside, but inside it was all Captain Marvel merch and stuff. Nineties. Uh, cool. uh, so I remember seeing some posts about that. But that's a that's a great little marketing uh, idea. But that's a great documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's uh, Tower Records is actually still pretty big in Asia. And yeah. So they, they touch on that a little bit too, uh, in Japan cool. and stuff. You can actually still go to yeah. them. The scenes of him, of him, Russ Solomon walking around, uh, the, uh, tower records in Japan was really cool. That was a very yeah. touching way to, to close that out. And by the way, I should say literally, I mean, for years, this movie has been unavailable. I finally tracked it down on a physical copy and now it is available to stream on Amazon for three bucks. So, okay. you know, I've just, just, yeah. just to clarify that, but, uh, it, it, that must have happened very recently. Cause I really have been waiting for a long time to see it, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, it's cool, man. It's, it was a, it was a, it was a nice kind of trip down uh memory lane the nostalgia of that and i'm and i'm i'm with you i love i love the record store and i i miss it was very difficult for me to uh i it's i don't know like i don't know maybe five years ago i got rid of my entire cd collection and it was yeah. it was a very difficult time like it took me months to work up to the decision to do that because i i love physical media and i i'm as much as cool as it is that I can download any song that's ever been created or I can just stream it on 400 billion different apps and stuff. It's to me, it's never going to be as cool as going to the store, the record store and, uh, and, you know, checking it out and, and, you know, surfing the racks with my friends and stuff like that. It's that's, Mm -hmm. that is something that, that I think is missing from, from our experiences at least. And that's why, you know, I love the small, 
local record store and stuff, but it was cool to know that there was <laughs> Tower Records out there and now and yeah. that is gone. I so, feel like there's anyway. going to be a resurgence at some point. Be cool. You know? Be cool. And some, and I, I know there's already the mom and pop record stores, but I feel like there's going to be some mass resurgence of physical music media at some point. Maybe not anytime soon, but in our lifetime, I think it'll sure. happen. Be cool. Um, Okay. Uh, Colin, what's your recommend? Uh, so my recommend is a new, uh, and I don't know, um, excuse me if this is something you guys have brought up uh, already, but it is a new Netflix series called The Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Um, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by this. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys had discussed earlier about Netflix's, um, their, I don't know, their kind of recipe for what they can make money on and what they can't, but it seems like the more recent ones that they've been putting out have been limited to about 10 episodes. Um, and so uh, it was short and sweet, but it's a mixture of if Guardians of the Galaxy met the Watchmen. Uh, the basis of this is, you know, there's, you know, uh, uh, there were uh, about 40 kids born on the same date, same time from women that were not pregnant. Um, They're all born. A millionaire buys them all up or buys uh, six or seven of them up and uh, raises them. And uh, after about 15 years, they disband and now they're all coming back to, uh, you know, to their uh, childhood home uh, to grieve the passing of their father, which is not a spoiler. It's in the 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 uh, description of the film or the movie. But um, it is it is it is it's awesome. Um, I can't get enough of this. I really want to see what happens next. The only downside to this to this uh, to the series is Ellen Page, believe it or not. Um, It's. <laughs> Not the best acting I've seen from Ellen Page. I mean, from her thing, her, her roles as Juno and Kitty Pride, um, she is honestly probably the worst part about the series. But other than that, it is it's a blast from start to finish. Sure, I love Umbrella Academy. One of my favorite. I very easy binge. One of the one of yes. the best things I've watched yes. this year. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Can't wait for season two for sure. For sure, very cool. Nice. Can't. What about you, man? What about my recommend? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend a book that I've been reading uh, that I just started that I've, I uh, am really into that you guys would probably be into as well. Um, it's called Tales from Development Hell. And oh, yeah. it's about basically the stories of movies that never got made. Um, and it's really interesting. And um, it's about movies, some movies that did get made and kind of the path to them getting made. Uh, for example, you mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier, Colin, they talk about the kind of the rights issues that the Lord of the Rings went through, uh, in one chapter and eventually getting made by Peter Jackson. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, they talk about a smoke and mirrors, which was like this Houdini movie, uh, with Sean Connery, uh, that never got made in the nineties. And, and kind of like, it was one of these screenplays that, was legendary in Hollywood and it never got made. And, and they ended up spending like $50 million on it that never got made. You know, one of those kind of movies, just several mm-hmm. stories like that. Um, you guys would be into this. I know the listener would too. It's called tales from development. Hell. Uh, I bought it on Amazon, the physical copy. I don't know if you can get it on Kindle or one of those kind of services or audiobook, but it's worth uh, looking up if you're into Sweet. that kind of uh, stuff. I know that the author has one called, the best sci-fi movies never yes. made or something like yes. that. I, um, uh-huh. 
I've got a copy. I've read that. It's very interesting. Very. I was going to say that's a side recommend. David Hughes. Uh, yeah. Same so, author. Yeah, yeah. Same author. Um, this one's called Tales from Development Hell. Um, it's about several different genres of movies and different um, different movies that never got made and some that did and their path and real interesting. So very cool. Movie fans, check that out. Tales from Development Hell. I recommend. Awesome. All right. Um, this has been a good one. This has been a fun mm-hmm. episode. I was uh, not sure what to expect from Captive, Captive State, but um, I was pleasantly surprised by the conversation. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, thanks for your, your input, your analysis, and your experience, and wish well to all those rats out there. Yeah. <laughs> may they, may <laughs> they rest easy tonight. Um, Colin, if we were to follow you on Twitter or something like that and follow your shenanigans with animals, where would we do that? Yeah, you can find me on can turtles drink fago moon mist.com. No, I'm just joking. Um, oh, wow. it is, uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, uh, you can follow me on, uh, on the interwebs, uh, with the, uh, at Crosstown Exotics. Uh, that's our company name. We're, we're actually, a more of a traveling reptile show. So we do a lot of educational programs for kids that is our, more of our nine to five. But, but yeah, uh, Crosstown Exotics on Facebook and Instagram. If you just want to follow me personally, just at Colin Langenderfer. All right, Brian. You can find me on the Twitter, Beagle12. You can find my writing at madamovespodcast.com. I did a little uh, John Goodman retrospective this week that's up there on the blog. And uh, you can also check us out on the Madam Movies Podcast newsletter, which will be out maybe by the time that uh, you're listening to this year podcast. And if not, then shortly thereafter. Kent, what about you? Your breakdown on the Flintstones was great, by the way, Ryan. <laughs> Loved it. Line by line, by the gym. way, yeah, <laughs> right. entire yeah. screenplay. Yeah, have you did, did you have you uh, have you listened to my new podcast, The Flintstones Minute? No, where I, I break down the Flintstones minute by minute through the course of uh, the entire movie. You know what? That sounds well, like something that, that literally nobody would be interested in, Brian. <laughs> so let's yeah, hope we are that very that unpopular, exist. but I am very dedicated to it. So, well, um, you can find me online on Twitter at Kent Garrison and kentgarrison.com, Instagram, Snapchat. As well, uh, find us, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. If you like more uh, episodes from us, if that's something that you would be into, uh, we have another one coming out this week on Watchmen. You mentioned it earlier. Brian and I are talking about that in our VIP club, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. It's $4 a month, and you get four extra episodes, and actually probably six extra episodes this month, and plus (laughs) an AMA and... uh, we're doing a actually a, a fantasy draft right now, kind of a March Madness style draft with uh, best movies of the 2000s. So if you want to yeah. get in on that action, you need to sign up now. And I promise you it's worth $4 for the next month. It, for the stuff that's going to go down the VIP club, it's going to be really fun. So look forward to that, and uh, we'll see the VIPs at the after party next. And uh, next week, we're talking to us, Jordan Peele, on the main feed. So until then, see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya Silence and They're calling again.